Welcome to the Ruby Hour, a podcast produced by our company, Ruby Riot Creatives. We specialize in video production and content marketing, and we're based in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm Shelby Ring. And I'm Madeline Rager. This podcast is devoted to interviewing extraordinary people doing extraordinary things and nuggets of wisdom that they've learned along their journey. Also, just want to give you a heads up, uh, we have potty mouths and we're talking about inappropriate things. So thank you so much for tuning in for another session of the Ruby Hour. I'm your host, Shelby Ring, and I have the amazing Hope Caldwell with me today. Hello. Oh, I've been looking forward to this for so long. So Hope is the founder of the KLH Group. They specialize in corporate event planning and bringing meaning to events, which I love this. And I have heard Hope speak so many times, and every time I'm like, I'm implementing the 5% to my business. I'm implementing all <laughs> these principles. So I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. So for people that are just hearing about you or meeting you for the first time, how did you get started in your line of work? Yeah. So I originated from um, New England, Boston, Mass, and moved to Charleston, South Carolina uh, to be a horse-drawn carriage tour driver. What? Yes. Hope. I got my my permitting and uh, drove carriages. And um, background, went to school for hospitality. Yes. So I knew okay. I wanted to be in the hospitality industry. Okay. And But I loved history. And so moved here to be a, a tour guide and quickly recognized that being behind a horse in August was not the, oh! in Charleston, was not oh my the most gosh. appealing thing in the world. And so um, switched over to event production and destination management quickly after with a wonderful company based in Charleston and spent about 12 years doing that out at Kiwa Island. Okay. And then started this company in 2016, about eight months after we brought our son home from China. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I would have never associated like, Hope had her roots in like carriage tour guiding like, no one does that is so <laughs> but awesome. it has served me so well i have since traded in my carriage for a golf cart okay and i take clients around all day every day showcasing our city to clients who want to come and experience charleston as a destination that is so it really has served awesome. me well that's beautiful <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh okay so um, I want to dive in really quick into um, the social impact of what you do. Yes. Um, I don't know of any other companies here locally that um, that do this so beautifully. Walk me through what was the connection and what does that mean of bringing meaning to events and the social impact? Yeah. So it started in 2012. My husband and I served on our first mission trip to East Africa. And um, I mean, I was totally, I loved it. And, and if you've ever been to Africa, it has a, it gets under your skin. Um, and so homecoming was really tough because I was working in a five-star property. Um, mm. But my heart to serve was with the underserved. It was really, I left my heart in Africa. Um, I always joke that if I wasn't married, I would have move there yeah Uh, yeah but I quickly realized when I came home well it took a couple years I can't say quickly but I I did realize that I could do a lot more good here than I could there for the masses and I um I started to just get quiet and and try to understand what my higher power wanted for me um, after that experience and what I started to see was a trend in the event industry where um 
there were clients, some of our clients, who were really interested and had the heart to serve. They just didn't have the opportunity to serve. And so I started to test the theory. Um, and sure enough, it became these events that we started doing where we implemented community service became the heartbeat of a program and became what our clients were talking about and requesting again and again. And so it's really this, the heart of the KLH group and the reason we started it was because we believe the event industry really needed new life. And for me, in order to stay in an industry like this, I needed to have life in it. And mm -hmm. so our social impact events breathe life into programs, um, not all of them, but for those clients and companies that are requesting um, social responsibility and, and requiring it really mm -hmm. of both yeah. their <clears throat> team members and within their, their business model, we offer a way to meet all of your resp responsibility through events. Cool. Yeah. And so you combined because I just love this visual of what I what I think you do and feel free to correct me of how I like visualize this happening. But you guys put on these like impeccable, amazing like galas, like these the caliber of events, mm -hmm. you know, those of us in the event industry just so admire and love and revel in. Um, but then you're also taking like these, you know, CEOs and these very like high powered people and you're getting their hands like in the mud, like working on projects, mm -hmm. like, you know, the rebuilding um, housing. Walk me practically into like, what has some of that social impact literally looked like? Yeah, so um, there's one one company, it was our first real company who took a chance on us. and. I'll forever be grateful, but um, we had a, a pilot program called the Clubhouse Challenge, and they saw the video and they said, hell yeah, we wanna do, actually they said, we wanna do 20 of these. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can do that. We'll do 10. Mm -hmm. And so it was 150 guests, and in all of our events, they have to have a high-level sort of five-star um, approach to them because that's the expectation. Yeah. Um, so they all have great lighting, great linens, great music, great sommeliers, great food, all of it with a community component. So we brought this group to a venue outdoors. Um, music was playing. It was just awesome. And there was a bunch of kids that were there. And prior to the, the guests arriving, I was able to um, share with them on their general session stage the importance of social responsibility and how cool their company was um, for implementing it and how mm -hmm. special they were as employees and as team members. And it was all leadership, so it, was, it comes from the top. And um, But I got to share with them before they got to the event the 10 kids that they were benefiting. And each each of those children were, um, were battling their fight with uh, pediatric cancer. And so when the guests arrived, they knew their kiddo's story and shoulder to shoulder alongside them, they built a clubhouse um, in about two and a half hours that this kiddo could bring home with them um, and live out a long, hopefully a long happy life. And, and um, some of our kiddos in the past few years have passed away, but their siblings have been able to uh, remember that day and um, you know get to play in the clubhouse where their sibling got to play. And so, um, and and this specific client really really loved the event so much so that they keep coming back year after year. So mm. this is going to be um, hopefully year five next year. Um, and so yeah, it's 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 really special. But the event itself is so high energy. 
we make sure it's high energy and we make sure it's under three hours because mm. that's the attention span. Yes. <laughs> but yes. we make sure there's something deliverable at the end for, mm. for a specific community. That yeah. is, I just remember tearing up that when I, you know, you shared the video of that and mm -hmm. that project. And I mean, that's like, I'll never forget that. Yeah. And that's the most beautiful work of how do we make, you know, um, like I know for me, I my background is I did go to ministry school mm -hmm. and I thought I wanted to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was my um, modality that I would introduce change into the world and mm -hmm. that I would, you know, you know, love the hell out of people mm -hmm. and, um, you know, be able to be a presence. And, um, you know, through whatever journey, I now really believe that through building a business, it creates serious, sustainable uh, waves through community. Oh, yeah. In the way that I can offer it, even mm -hmm. if we're small. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, I know back in, um, I think 2017, you did the talk on, I believe it was like the 5%, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I implemented that in my wedding videography business. I mean, cool. we were babies, but every quarter we picked a different local charity or like circumstance that it mm -hmm. happened. And so my favorite um, server at Paige's Ochre Grill was in a car accident and she was debilitated. Wow. And they had to go fund me. She was our quarterly cause, you know, wow. of our taking our, we weren't big, but just setting aside a piece of our profits for reinvesting back in our community. So it's like, yeah. just, I love that the heartbeat of what you do is it's like, it's not that you have to be, you know, not a prosperous business to make beautiful grassroots change. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that the system you've set up supports these, you know, incredible leaders mm -hmm. and connects them to that heartbeat of, you know, that that family who is going through a really challenging time. It's mm -hmm. like that's just mind blowing <laughs> to me. And I love that. Um, well, it's funny on that. I I struggle with that, though, because, um, you know, when I came home from Africa, I wanted to change everything like I wanted to make the world better. But when I sat with that, I realized that what I learned there, I feel like they're doing it so well. Mm. The community in specifically Uganda, I learned so much from them on their level of happy with so very little that when I came home, I realized like it doesn't have to be grand gestures, you know? And, and when we walked through our, inter, our international adoption with our son, same thing, I saw a crisis of the orphan crisis in China, and I wanted to fix it. You know, why couldn't I? Yeah. Um, but where I feel like God has had me is is that we've we changed it for one human, and that's enough. You know, and being yeah. okay with that being enough. Yeah. And so when I share with my clients before they walk into <clears throat> one of our events, is I, I make sure they check their sincerity. Because when you walk in and you're just going through the motion, these kids can feel it. Wow. They yeah, know it. For they can sure. feel it. Everybody yeah. can feel it. But when you walk in with 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 a sincerity level, um, it, it just brings its grace that's moving from person to person. Mm -hmm. And when your sincerity level is up here, that grace just moves and moves and moves. And that is a freaking memorable event. Yeah. That's what people will leave remembering. Mm. So cool. Yeah. 
that's like <laughs> I love it. I yeah. Yes. Um so <clears throat> so we're in the holiday season right yes. now. And I just wanted to get your two cents of you know, what have been things for you along your journey and in your business? Um, you know, I know there's several people that are in your company. And so, you know, just <clears throat> being a founder, being somebody that's growing an organization, how do you balance when you are being pulled in a number mm-hmm. of different directions? What does that look like in your life? I'm not doing it well. <laughs> yeah, especially this season. Oh, preaching to the oh, choir. Goodness gracious. Yes, um, yes. I wish I was, but I know how I want to be doing this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think that when I have the time, when I make the time, I should say, yeah. to nice. stay high level, that's when I can pour into my team members much better. Into Which, my... break down, what is high level? Yeah, so when I... You know the saying, um, what is the saying? Um, even though you should, or no, even though you can, doesn't mean you should. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. I think I have to be practicing that a lot more because as a founder, I naturally know how to plan events. I've been doing it for, gosh, 15 years, but that doesn't mean I should be doing that. And I think because I have such a capable team who can do this work probably actually I know better than me at this point I have a responsibility to stay high level and what I mean by high level is not getting into the 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 nitty-gritty and the details of an event unless I own it and it's mine Um, so if I'm able to stay high level on sales and marketing on supporting my team members on um, making sure our you know everything's in check for everything they need within the office. I don't know, even filling up their gas tank or delivering the golf cart to where they need it. You know, those are nitty gritty, but that's high level to me because I'm supporting a team mm. member who's working directly with the client. I love that. Um, planning out 2020. You know, what does the scheduling look like? Where are we overlapping? Where might we need more help? All of those details that are not getting done right now, by the yes. way. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. All on my head yes. because we're in the grind. And um, so I think that that and, and, and the holiday season is really important to me with my family. You know, I have a five year old who I just want to, you know, live out the holidays through his eyes and make that margin and make that time and set it aside for them. And so, um, you know, just prioritizing both of those during this season and remembering what the whole season's about. Mm. Can I ask you, with your journey of adoption, um, you know, what was your, how was that process? Yeah. Because, was, and, and I ask from a stance of like my own personal reality and I know that I have a community of people around me, like I was born without any eggs genetically. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that's very relevant for me of the world of mm-hmm. which route do you go and, mm-hmm. and really evaluating the model of different families and mm-hmm. family structure um, in today's day and age. So yeah. that being <clears throat> the context, you know, what was your journey? Um, yeah, I think, um, so our journey is unique, just like anybody's journey. But Ken and I, my husband, had seen the need of the mag, the magnitude of the need worldwide, and we um, we both agreed that we wanted to give a kiddo an opportunity to live in the United States that didn't have the opportunity yet, and um, that was a pretty easy decision for us. Um, 
country of origin was a really tough decision. Yeah. Really tough. Oh um, my gosh. How mm. do you even start thinking? Uh, and you know, I knew, I, I, I thought I knew mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that I wanted our baby to come from Africa because it was in my skin. It was just where I wanted that to be. And, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, that was not our our path. And so when we agreed on China, um, it took a few months of us really getting real with ourselves about what we wanted. And, um, you know, I think that the hard, one of the hardest parts about the, the process for us was eventually moving into a place to ask what was best for our future child, mm. you know? And um, that was like the first, I think, experience as parents, putting, uh, putting our future child's needs before our own. Yeah. And that was really interesting, but it took months mm. of discussion and arguing and some pretty rough conversations. And so when we finally chose China, um, it got it got it got harder because then the process started and then when we finally about six months into the process we were given Liam's referral photograph and then it got even harder because now we knew we accepted a son but now we knew he was alive and growing and he celebrated his first birthday in an orphanage he we missed out on a lot but we chose to take the perspective of we get to experience so much more soon. Mm. Um, and it took everything in my body to not fly there and just meet him. Um, but it made it that much sweeter when we did. And mm. so we decided to go the medical special needs route. And our little dude um, was close to never walking, mm. so they say, um, and developmentally delayed. Okay. And um, when we met him, he took his first steps for us in China, and he is now trilingual and smarter than Ken and I oh put together <laughs> at five years old. Wow. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So a lot of prayer and a yeah. lot of just constantly turning it over. Um, but it is not for the faint of hearts. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard process. But, you know, so is having a baby biologically. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know what that feels like. And yeah. I can't imagine it's easy. Yeah. You know? Well, and then the other route of, you know, donor eggs and the journey sure. of infertility and will it take and all the yeah. that whole world. You know, it's like whatever your course, you'll have your treasure Hidden right. along the way. Yeah, and just trying to make the best yes when you can. And I think in order to do that, you just have to get quiet. Mm -hmm. And so constantly like making margin to be quiet and hearing, okay, what route am I supposed to take? And and I, I imagine we're very similar where I, I try to like force things. I want things to go my way. And when I was told that, no, there is a 1% chance that you could have a baby biologically, it was like, well, okay, let's, what's the next plan? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I think over the years, I've had to mourn that loss yeah. of, you know, of that process, of, of not being able to have a biological child. And and, I, and I'm I'm fine with it. Like it yeah. was, but because I was on to the next thing, you know, and in, in my way or the highway, um, you know, I didn't necessarily mourn that loss until many years later. Yeah. You know, and, and now we have a very healthy child and I'm so thankful. Yeah. Um, but the process itself really changes you. Did you have um, in your journey that sense of, did you, did you ever have like something that has been a part of my process is, um, 
you know, the am I am I truly feminine if mm-hmm. I'm, you know, this fundamental woman ability to create, you know, quote, life. Mm-hmm. And I struggled for a long time around am I less of a woman Mm -hmm. because I buy a there's something fundamentally Mm -hmm. um, not as capable as what should be. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you ever have any of that piece of the journey of, you know, I'm the youngest of seven kids and um, my mom obviously was Plenty fertile. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. For yeah, lack yeah. of a better term. For sure. Yes. <laughs> um, but both my sisters went through infertility or fertility. Yeah. Um, one couldn't conceive and then the other had a little girl after eight rounds of in vitro. Mm-hmm. And um, so in, in, in high school, I had a crazy autoimmune issue where I was left in a wheelchair for about a year. Wow. And um, and I I think I always knew that I wasn't going to be able to conceive because Mm. of that issue with my spine and the autoimmune. I I think I knew that my body would never be able to handle it. And then after seeing my sisters and what they went through, um, I was I was fearful of fertility. And I just kind of always from a very early age knew that I was going to adopt. I don't know. And it it, no to answer your question, I never felt like less of a woman. but it's always it's very curious. Yeah. It's considering my mom and all of her kids. Yeah. And then mm. all of us girls mm-hmm. conditions, if you will, for sure. lack of a better term. So um, I just feel like it's it is what it is. Like yeah. it's the way it's supposed to be. And yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a it is such a journey. And I feel like the moment that I connect with other wom- women, regardless of whatever their process was mm-hmm. with that. I, I just feel like it's it is such a gift, truly. And I like to phrase it as, you know, I was gifted with premature ovarian failure at mm-hmm. nineteen. Mm-hmm. You know, like that has been something that has been a huge source of um yeah, of of strength because it's a catalyst mm-hmm. to evaluate what I think, what are the beliefs I have that I'm using to consider myself, you know, valid or enough and yeah. really getting through so many superficial um, yeah, elements of how we establish ourselves as just humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's suffering. Yeah, that's suffering to me. Like when, you know, uh, my family has suffered a lot in a lot of different journeys, whether it's through, um, you know, adoption or, or fertility or um, alcoholism or, um, you know, broken marriages. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of suffering and all, all along the way, I continue to get pulled out from that. And I continue to uh, sort of have this, we call it redemptive remembering and being mm. able to say, ah, I see, mm. I see the path here. I see where my higher power had me in this place to grow. Yeah. And I'm, it's, I'm, so, I'm thankful for the scars in a way because it's created this new journey. Like ah okay, but it's really hard when you're in it. Like when sure. I when I was told I couldn't have a baby, the last thing I wanted to do was hear somebody say it's God's will. Oh, you know, yeah. like fuck yeah. off. Or or like <laughs> or or the classic, you know, like oh you know what miracles can happen. That's just, right. Just, it's like you know, the last which, thing you want to hear. Yeah. Or you being, know? Yeah. I mean, all the all the things that you know people are trying to say to, and they mean it genuinely. I totally agree. But then it's like. Okay, well, then it's given me 
a place to be able to pour into other women who are either on the mission field or who are going through adoption or fertility or, you know, alcoholism or, you know, all of these, uh, it feels like sort of um, demographic of people. It gives, it, it sort of gives you street cred. Yeah. You know? Well, you're like, I'm no stranger to suffering. I'm no yeah. stranger to, um, yeah, facing your own inner some people might call it demons or your own inner, um, yeah, your journey of. It, it makes me think of um, one family. So my husband on our wedding day um, found out he had a brain cyst. Mm. Um, and On your wedding day he figured this out? On our wedding day. What? Yes. In front of 200 people. What? Yeah. Had an had a episode on the altar. <gasps> yeah. Got carried out. Uh-huh. Uh, and we were down in the church basement. Um, we went to our reception because what do you do? I had no idea. Did he go to the reception? He did go to the reception. Okay, so he, he had this experience. Yeah, he, he, yeah. And then he was like, well, that was weird. No, no, no. He didn't remember any of it. Yeah. He just came to the next day. Yeah. He so had, wait, was he functioning <clears throat> around at the reception? I mean, we danced. Chill. Okay, we danced our first dance. Um, and what I know, it's a big deal. And I, I think this year alone, I have gotten to the point where that is no longer our story. Yeah, you know, we don't. Yes. We are no longer. Thank goodness, and I, I wouldn't share it otherwise. But we are no longer identifying who we are because of that in our yep. marriage. But um, but yeah, it was monumental for yeah. sure. And yeah. four months later, found the cyst in his brain when he stopped walking and talking. Um, had a pretty big brain surgery. Well, yeah, big brain surgery and then recovery. Um, and where's I going with that? Oh, oh, back to the suffering and being able to pour into families. You know, a part of our delivery of clubhouses. So, so some of these kiddos mm-hmm. that we identify with and, and partner with, um, one in one specific had a brain tumor and woke up and couldn't walk, couldn't talk. And so I got to deliver one of the clubhouses to his family and his mom was there and she and I just connected over, you know, the brain and how difficult it is to hear this and, and to be told that there's not a lot anybody can do except wait and see and do therapy. And that was a lot of what we went through. And um, and I feel like, you know, God has given me this this these stories and these these instances to be able to pour into people like our 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 beneficiaries too and their families and um it's almost like a ministry in a way, I guess. Uh, it sounds exactly like a ministry. I know, but it's like a job. Yeah. yeah. It's so great. Yeah. yeah. But those stories are what we're able to go back to our clients and share and say, you know what? It's not about building a clubhouse. It's about like what these families get to experience and the care that they get to get and the con- communication and the connection mm-hmm. that you are giving them through these events. Crazy, right? Yes. So tying into this time of year Mm -hmm. and knowing how to maneuver all of the, I mean, I know for so many of us, we're interacting with family and I know there's that quote, oh, I'm totally going to butcher it. It's like, uh, it's like a great yogi that was like, if you think you've mastered your inner reality, like go spend a week with your family. Yeah, if you think you're enlightened. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, so 
in the midst of, I'm sure, like so many people listening are feeling um, maybe pulled in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. I know that I feel that, um, you know, on the regular. What are some things that have helped you in your life mm-hmm. um, maneuver the terrain of when to say no and mm-hmm. not associate it with guilt? What's your journey with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I struggle with that, no surprise as well, Um, but I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at making the right yeses and saying no to the right things. I think where I struggle the most is probably with clients because I have now identified that it's fear-based decision-making, you know, fear-based, what if the money's not there? What if the clients are not there? Because there was a time where it wasn't. Sure. As as an entrepreneur and a business owner, there was a time where I didn't have any clients and I didn't have any money. And, um, and... but that's no way to run a business, fear-based. And so I'm getting better at recognizing when I say yes and when I say no, not out of fear, um, but it requires a ton of presence Yeah, and a ton. And how do you maneuver that? How do you yeah. maneuver? Can you feel when the fear-based thinking, what does that feel like practically for you or how do you maneuver I have so my husband is a really good sounding board for me I'm able to call and because he walked with me through those times you know yeah and and be able to say this out loud and and receive feedback um of like hey you're probably spiraling you probably either need to go for a walk or I'm involved with a 12-step program that um, helps me stay very present and so Mm -hmm. I might need to go to a meeting um or um yeah, have a conversation with another business owner, like a me too kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And then get real and mm-hmm. say, you know, maybe maybe I don't need to spend an entire day with you, client. Maybe I can carve out two hours for you and that can be enough. Um, and then get really, really tight on my schedule um, so that the best yeses are being made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you learn to start... Um, or did you ever feel a shift between having the client interaction happening to you versus valuing your time and shifting to realize that your schedule is truly your schedule. Mm, yeah, I, I, there was a long time where clients dictated my schedule. Yeah. And if I'm honest, they still do sure. at times. Sure. And it's like they're the ones paying you. Yeah. And a lot of, most of, I mean 99% of my business is from outside of this city. Mm-hmm. And so they're only here for one or two days yeah. or a short period of it's time. It's very time-sensitive. So, yes, I do need to um, prioritize them. Um, so they do dictate my schedule, but it's every other thing happening outside of my clients that I can be in mm-hmm. control of, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that, I think, is where I could do a better job of setting boundaries, um, you know? I have a hard time, you, you would have a hard time getting me out past five o'clock because five o'clock on is dedicated to my family. But I'll, I'll go do anything with you during the day if it, if it means like a business meeting or a lunch or a walk or something like that. Um, but you gotta catch me between nine to five yeah. or like 8.30 to five if there's no other clients going on because the, the evenings are dedicated mm-hmm. to my family. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but boundaries are really important. And I think surrounding myself with other women, especially who are really good at setting boundaries, has helped me realize, mm. ah, okay, there's something to this. Yeah. And, um, and you know, setting aside like exercise yeah. and prayer and meditation in the mornings has been a game changer for me this month. It's something that 
I used to do all the time and then life happens. But this month especially, I've implemented again, just becoming more aware of it. And it's changed a lot of how I feel all day, every day. Um, so if it's just that you know hour that I can get up a little earlier yeah. and do this stuff to help me, um, help my mood and help uh, really everything throughout yeah. the day. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. hard. It takes awareness. Yeah. Um, what about... When you're coping with looking at the new year, mm-hmm. you know, we're coming into 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, do you ever have any type of, because I know you're a planner, mm-hmm. but also I know for me, sometimes when I think of the next year, it seems so grandiose mm-hmm. and it can be daunting or overwhelming. How do you balance staying present with what is mm-hmm. in today and this week and this moment mm-hmm. with being someone that is like very proactively building sure. their reality? Yeah. So it's no surprise that faith's really important to me. And so I have this mantra of, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us just rejoice and be glad. And I think when I get into the moment of, uh, I mean, 2020 is terrifying to me right now. (laughs) It's terrifying, Uh, you know? I know. I mean, we have have four events on one single day in May that we know of right Uh. now. And it's like, but but then I say that, and four years ago, I was like, yes, I'll do anything, you know? So it's perspective, A, but B, knowing that, I'll be given what I can handle and and it's going to be okay. And like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't want to sound too sort of cliche and too big picture, but truly I, I revel in the fact that I've made it this far, you know, mm-hmm. and this year has been really crazy. And we've had multiple events on multiple on the same day, but there's always help and there's mm-hmm. always people there to support you. And it's just awesome to be a witness of when you need something, it shows up. Mm. I 100% believe in that. And so, I don't know, I don't really worry that much. I just expect it to work. Yeah, which that's a very um, high energy to mm-hmm. be in. You know, I'm, I'm working with my life coach reading this book called The Magician's Way, mm-hmm. and it's all about like visualizing that end result mm-hmm. and trusting when you align your thoughts to be like, what's the experience I wanna have in 2020 mm-hmm. and or whenever, and you have a state of, you know what, I have proof and data that it always works Mm -hmm. out. It's gonna come together. And to like have that subconscious mind be attuned to that versus Mm -hmm. maybe, I know for me when I was first getting set up, right? And we're Mm -hmm. like, I'll take anything with a pulse. Yeah. And and you're just, you're struggling. But then over time, you look for the data to validate, wait a second, I believe it is gonna come through for me. And I believe in this moment and in this time that yeah, look, there was success, even in small ways. That's oh, yeah. what that's what I've been working on is the the subconscious belief system. Mm-hmm. What am I letting fuel my circumstance? How am I visualizing what's happening to mm-hmm. me? Because we look for proof in whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. So if we think that the universe is against us sure. and that things are gonna fall apart and it just doesn't work out for me. I try and it just, there's always something I'm not expecting and it comes through. Like that's something I'm tackling by the horns right mm-hmm. now. And you look for proof of showing yeah. where that's happened, but at the same time, in the same instance, shifting that mentality of being like, I am constantly supported by a higher power and it always works out. Then you're like, oh, 
I got that really good parking spot. What else? Okay, well, that actually worked out with my timing. Oh, downtown was blocked, but I magically got through Calhoun with no traffic and those green lights the whole way. Oh, and then you see you can validate whatever argument. Yeah. It's I agree. The, it's the story that you want to feed. I think practically, too, um, every week my team and I, uh, we look back to see what our wins were and how the week went for us and looking forward to what are our big three for this week. Mm-hmm. And that has been a really cool process of celebration. And I think as a business owner, you're just constantly go, 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 go. But but being able to reflect on wins has helped me and helped us as a team remember, ah, even if they're small, they're wins. Yeah. You know, and um, in the midst of some pretty weighty things, uh, those wins are just are really helpful to reflect on, mm. you know, and they're anchors. Yeah. Because they're anchoring you in, okay, this current circumstance is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't have your language cleaned up, you know, it could be like, this sucks. Yeah. This is unfortunate. This is, oh my gosh, crisis. Or, all right, we have an opportunity to grow right mm-hmm. now. We have an opportunity to rise up. And what kind of proof do we have that we can get through it? Oh, well, here's all of our trophy, you know, moments of this came through. We accomplished this. This went. This happened. This was yeah. executed, be- you know, beautifully. This followed through, you know, and seeing the anchors of mm-hmm. you've got what it takes. That's so powerful to mm-hmm. do that simple practice of each week, you mm-hmm. know, circle back around with your team. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you balance, um, like, what is your perspective? Okay, yes. With your team and the people that you work with, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm curious to know, have you attracted like-minded people in Mm. your team? How has it worked for you given, you know, I feel like you are, you have a mix of this philanthropic servant heart mixed with, you know, a very savvy and excellent caliber of operating as a business owner and an event planner. How have you attracted people um, on your team? That's I've done I've done well and I've done poor. Yeah, <laughs> poorly. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that there's a science to hiring, but I often just trust my gut. Um, and so I've had a handful of team members now, and I think I, I really do. I trust my gut and, and their level of sincerity when they show up to a meeting with me. Um, as far as the interview process goes. I do need to know their heart. I think that's really important, but I also need to know that they can work hard. Yeah. I mean, it is no joke. You're sore right now, right? I'm sore. You just went through like <laughs> lifting hundreds of chairs and benches. 140 and- to be precise, 12 oh. tables, oh two uh, fire pits, eight rocking chairs, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> I'm sore from just hearing that description right now. Yeah, it is just no joke. It is that. not no joke. And yeah. there are some days where you get to play with kids who, you know, and it's lovely and fun and light, but most days it is not that. Yeah. And so I need to know you have grit and um, and just like, you know, you're, gonna, you're willing to do what it takes to get yeah. the job done, no matter what. And that's really something you can't teach. And yeah. it's something I look for in a team member and um it's no surprise that i'm i'm pretty square so i really love having teammates that can 
you know, keep it fun, keep it real. And um, wait, what do you mean you're square? What does that mean? I feel like I'm in a box. Like, I feel like you you got to work hard to get me out. And once I'm out and having fun, it's a whole nother ball game. Okay. But it's hard for me to get there. Like, okay. I feel like I'm square as in, you know, I'm, I'm pretty wound up. Like, I'm pretty tight. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I do a lot of when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone. Yeah. But when you get me out of the zone, it's really fun. So I look for people who can get me out of the zone a little bit. Are you bit. in the box right now or are you out of the box? I'm pretty in the box. What? You yes. seem great in the box. Well, thank you. I yeah. think so too. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I mean, if this is your being in a box, when I think of being in a box, it'd be like, ugh. I think of like when we're like, I was going to say like balls deep in editing. When we're yeah. like really in the yeah. thick of editing, you know, I have like a very particular mind or when I'm like writing emails yeah. about staffing. But then... Then we're like on the street with Robo Cat outfits, being like, Nyeh. but like you, your box seems lovely. Thank you. <laughs> I love what you've done with the place. Are we gonna edit that? No, I think that's perfect. I, I mean, do too. I, I mean, I, I, it's my day to day. I yeah. do love that. But like, my husband probably gets the the back end of it. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, how am I gonna get it all done? Or I have to get up early? Or mm. I have to, I'm, I'm like so self centered at times. Uh, Aren't we all? <laughs> You know, yeah. and um, so I do. I look for team members who like want to maybe do something fun or yeah. uh, want to go to the spa sometimes, or maybe just get out and go for a walk. Yeah. You know, that can get me out of that like owner box. What has helped you with finding the caliber of clients that resonates with you know? Because you you mentioned your first client that was willing to take a chance on doing something that is more rooted in you know the social impact piece, um, how has that grown? Oh, it's so, it's it's all education. So um, when we are able to get in front of businesses, and generally it's Fortune five hundred companies, so yeah. when we're able to either get on the phone with their planners or um, get in front of them, you know. Educating them that this exists is half the battle. Once they commit to it, I have no doubt. It is like a slam dunk Mm -hmm. and they'll come back. But the education piece is something that's been um, really a pretty interesting journey for me, but one that I find myself really loving. Like Mm -hmm. I love to speak on the topic. I love to share on the topic. I, I really resonate with that. And so um, connecting with clients on that level, it's it's like a me too kind of thing. Okay. You know, everybody, everybody loves to talk about it. Um, most people believe in it, but it's getting them to take that step, the financial commitment to it. And, mm. and that has to come from leadership. So, mm. um, so we've had a really good time talking about it. And now we're being sought after. Yeah. You know, there's enough. You've built enough momentum yeah, around it. Yeah, conversation around it. Yeah, that um, companies are calling us specifically for that, which mm-hmm. is like really mind blowing when you start a company with a goal like that. Yeah. But knowing you're going to do whatever it takes to get there, and now you're fine. And by no means have we arrived. Sure. But um, but it is really fun to get those calls. It's always mm-hmm. surreal to get those calls and say, Hey, we're interested in a social impact event, Aww. and we're XYZ company, and we are willing to do this mm. um, and prioritize it. It's like, ah, yes, this well, does that's, happen. That's <laughs> like when the iPod was created and the whole thing of Steve Jobs being like, we need to create something that people don't know exists yet and they yeah. don't know they need it. But once we create it, yeah. they they can't live without it. That's right. That's what you're, you're creating something that 
is unheard of until they've heard of it. Yeah. And then they have to have it. And then they have to have it. Yeah. And then they start prioritizing it and then they start building it in. And then it's like, yeah, no brainer. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. That's that I, I can only imagine like the fulfillment of getting those calls or the emails reaching out mm-hmm. for people being like we like there's nothing better than when someone's like we watched your like wedding song suggestion tips video where we're just like total idiots and just playful and they're like that was the funniest thing we've ever seen we want to book you for our wedding or like we love <laughs> your culture we love your whatever yeah. like, we hate the vampire movie song too like we love you already let's work together yeah when you can find people that that resonate with that main vein of like that's sure. your heart and soul yeah and it's coming out in the service that you're doing and all the you know um evangelizing educating storytelling mm-hmm. of what this looks like i can only imagine it's got to be amazing when i think that's that. the high level stuff too and, and maybe not high level because there's details to it but there's sure. nobody else that's going to be doing that but me yeah and so i that's where i need to be spending my time yep. but we also as a company need to be making money and yes. so that's what the other stuff is yep. you know so when coming back to how are you using your time yeah you know that's the stuff that that lights me up that's the stuff i want to be working on this season Mm. is like that's what lights me up that's where i want to if i'm not with my family or spending time with my friends that's the stuff i want to be working on you know it's so cool and so Mm -hmm. fun um so i think that that's that's what i'm going to do this season (laughs) get it girl (laughs) that's so awesome um i mean I guess my only other thought that I have for you are that, you know, it's like, because I'm like, oh my gosh, we have like an hour with Hope. Like if I could ask her anything, you know, what would I, what would I want to ask you? You know, what would I want to glean from in your life? Um, did you always have a generous spirit? Yeah. Did I always have a generous spirit? Well, being the youngest of seven, really six growing up, and then we found out we had an older brother. Okay. Um, you know, you, you sort of talk about survival. So I yeah. was surviving my yes. whole life. Yes. Um, and so I think there was a lot of humility built in being the youngest of seven. Um, you know, I wore their clothes, boys and girls. Yeah. Uh, you know, we and my parents did the best they could. And but by no means were we, you know, we were living large enough. I mean, we sure. went to Disney once. That was a big yeah. deal with six yeah. kids. Um, so I think the humility piece was uh, ingrained at a very young age. And then when I started to really understand and start to feel um, my, you know, we were, religion was built into us, beaten into us. Um, oh, yeah. And so, but when I started to understand the heart behind it is when I started to want to give. And I think I always knew I wanted to um, spend time in Africa. I never knew why it called me. But I think, so I, I would say that, yeah, the, the, giving, the giving heart was always there. But I think when I finally experienced what it was like to give, um, I mean, there's nothing better. Mm. There really is nothing better. And the cool part is, and this is what I tell my clients, you can't buy that. It's not something you can purchase because it was purchased for us. But you can purchase an experience or, or set up an experience like that where it will flow. Yeah. And I think that's freaking cool. Yeah. And it, it, that's truly, to me, I think that's like self-mastery or like the mastery of an organization to 
facilitate those experiences, which it's like that's literally, yeah. you know, you are bringing meaning to events. You're literally creating magic for companies to connect with a soul value. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's if their heart space is there, if the, you know, you're creating a nurturing environment mm-hmm. for magic to happen, yeah. for real human connection and that like the stories that people keep for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. We call it a culture of generosity. Mm. That's what we're doing. And and we are just a very, very small part of this master plan. And uh, we call it the ripple effect too. Mm. So we are just dropping that, that, that one little ripple. Uh, we are creating that. And then it is so cool to watch the stories that come of it. Like I had a client who built uh, these beautiful clubhouses for, um, a couple of kiddos and one of them, actually both of them now have um, had some really cool stories that come of it. But one of them, um, his name was Gage. He was 10 years old, I believe, but he like came alive on the baseball field and he was in remission up until the day before this event and found out his cancer was back and was really angry that he couldn't play baseball any longer. And he came to this event and um, there was a woman who was building with her company who went back and told her husband, who was the coach of a minor league baseball team, the baseball team heard about Gage, sort of adopted him as um, as somebody that they wanted to pour into, sent a bunch of like balls and bats and gloves and all this stuff to his, um, his treatment um, center in, in Pennsylvania, and they now have this wonderful, beautiful connection. Mm. And um, the other little boy, Milo, he's local in Charleston, but he's going through um, his chemo treatments now, but Make-A-Wish is coming up, and he needed to raise a little bit of money, so his shirt, they made shirts. And so I sent it just a simple note, hey guys, Milo's going through this, would you consider? And it's, I mean, they met their goal it, like this. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's just a ripple effect. Mm. We're not doing anything special here, anything grand. It's just connections. Yeah. Kind of like what you guys do. You know, yeah. you connect people in storytelling. Yeah. And it's like a front row seat to yeah. watch like magic happen yeah. and, and, and living in expectation mm. that that's going to happen. I think that's, that's like what makes us get up every morning. Yeah. You know? Mm. In your life, in your journey, we're always living, we're always growing, expanding. What in your life, either personally or professionally, like what's been rocking your world? Ooh, both personally and professionally. Um, personally, I um, I couldn't be more thrilled with where my marriage is. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm so, so, so happy about it. Um, yeah, it's been a long, almost nine years. We'll celebrate nine years ne- next month. But this year especially, I feel like we're, we've been in, in a season for eight years and we're finally reaping the harvest of that season. And there's like nothing better. There mm-hmm. really is nothing better um, to just be in alignment. And so that has rocked my world, but it's not without a lot of work. And um, so each of us are, are doing our own work and, and it's just like fun to go home and fun to be with my family. And mm. I love that. I love that piece of it. Um, and then professionally, so, uh, you know, a part of what I am tasked to do as a visionary is coming up with more creative ideas, you know, because when you are blessed to have repeat clientele, well, then they're like, yeah. well, what's next? What's round two, <laughs> three, four? Yes. Yes. And, um, and so uh, we've got... Uh, a freaking 
awesome event coming up on Friday of this week. Um, and it's the first time we're ever doing this, but it's gonna be in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And um, it's been a big goal of mine to get involved in the CBD industry. Okay. Um, I have a lot of friends and family involved. I believe very much in what the industry is doing and the products that are coming out of it. Um, but I also see the industry as um, that has a need. You know, when they when they are signing these agreements or, or working towards getting these permitting. Um, permits for these cities, they are somewhat required and there's an expectation of the community to see, you know, what are you going to do for the community? And um, and so I see us as a really, really valuable asset to some pretty big CBD companies in helping meet their community service goals and Mm -hmm. needs and requirements, but also helping with their PR in in helping the community understand that that they're there for a good reason. Mm. And so I feel like our community events are a win-win for this massive industry mm. that's like breaking yeah. out. And it's um it's still at the beginning where there's mm-hmm. controversy or confusion. Very much so. And so that's very integral. Mm-hmm. So we have our first event on Friday with okay. an awesome CBD company. Um, and when we pitched, well, when we were playing around with ideas, um, we decided that this community itself really could benefit from a beautification project. And um, a lot of what we do requires, uh, you know, involvement of the, of the we, want, we want our clients to show up and do something hands-on. And so- Yes, I love that. Um, I, w- I remember I was in Vegas last month, I think, and I woke up. And I told my husband, I was like, I want to paint a mural. Doesn't that sound fun? And he's like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And I was like, no, I want to do this. And I want to do it with a company. He's like, cool, let's do it. And so we are painting a mural on Friday, like a sick mural. I'll show you a picture of it. Okay. It's awesome. It's um, from a local artist, okay. Douglas Panzone from okay. Charleston. He, oh, wow. he, um, he did like the Righteous Gemstones one. He did... Um, oh. Oh, yeah, okay. like okay. like oh, straight cool. street art. Dude, it's so, so cool. cool. But he's doing most of it. Like he, he just got up there today. He's doing most of it. And it's okay. like a, a 50 foot wall. Oh, yeah. Massive canvas massive. to work with. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So um, he's doing most of it. And then the company's coming for two hours to finish it. Oh, With um, cool. like spray paint. And, and then we have a beautiful plaque for the town oh. and or for the city and yeah. then we have fire pits coming and we've got like donut making and oh. uh like a big cauldron of hot cider oh, and yeah. it's cauldron. just gonna be like a yes. fun block party oh. and then they get to invite all of their family members but outside of that being really cool one of the coolest parts about this and it's sort of our first time my first time of seeing of being in on the conversations behind the events from beginning from the beginning so the conversation went um you know we got in touch with the the community outreach person and then they had the facility managers on the call and the community outreach shared with the facility manager like this is what we're doing and this is why we want to do it and it's because we believe so much in in what y'all are doing here we um 
we want to pour into you. We want to support you. We want to say thank you in this season of thanks. We want to give thanks to you because you are our number one priority. You are what is keeping us innovative, is keeping us creative, is giving us street cred. You know, y'all are the ones doing it. And the facility manager says, before he said all that, he said, she said, why do you care about us? We're just like one little blimp in a big ass company. Yes. And and he came back with that. And being able to hear somebody share and, and me be able to say, yeah, that is exactly why we're doing this. And then get to execute it and yes. watch these these people show up and, mm-hmm. and say, hell yeah. And go home that night and be able to say, hey, this is the company that I work for. Yeah. Not yep. only do they believe in us and want to want to pour into us, they believe in a community. Yeah, where this can happen, like it's mm. just cool That's to beautiful. watch it all come out. And then and then there's like a wicked cool factor of like the street art. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like it's it, that's so cool. It's not just the mural. It's like what the mural and the experience of the mural yeah. means to all of the parties involved. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so awesome. Say a prayer, though. It's going to be like 38 degrees. Everyone's going to be like, <laughs> They're like, why are all the angles really squiggly? Like, you're cool. But they're like yeah. used to it. Yeah. We're in Charleston oh, yeah. and it's shrimps. 60 and I have driving gloves in yeah, my pocket. Yeah, winter shrimpos. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that is firing me up today. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to get up there and watch this thing. And we have a video coming out of it. Dude. And yes. Um, Share the link of that with us. I will. I definitely will. And it's like our first in with the, and and when it goes well, they'll be implementing it all next year, like quarterly. And that's a big goal of ours is to get in with the companies that prioritize this type of work where we're offering quarterly events all over the country for different parts of different, different departments. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's like what lights and, us up. And it's so vibrant on on these big organizations where if you are, you know, addressing different chapters or different yeah. departments like no one. It's like that's a sustainable model of, you know, the the satisfaction of employees is I mean, yeah, all all the stats about retaining yeah. happy employees, giving fulfillment through mm-hmm. their role. So mm-hmm. even if they do have something that maybe is a drier role and they're not, you know, getting to do something so fanciful, the benefits of these companies getting to have that like heart and soul mm-hmm. energy, regardless of their size. That's, that's right. and and that's and I so truly believe we're all on a war for talent right now. I think good talent is yeah. hard to find and yeah. i think you have to be setting yourself apart yep and you have to yeah. be offer i mean the new up and coming generation is no longer look asking for this they're requiring this yep. of companies and so it, it not only is it a retention strategy it's a it's an attraction strategy as well and and where i think it i mean it, it's one of the talks i do it's a growth strategy where mm. social impact can be a growth strategy wow for your company yeah. Yeah. Um, on retention, attraction, productivity. And then what does that equal? That equals a higher profit. Mm-hmm. It, it increases your bottom line and it goes from um, doing well by doing good and, and that you know they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm, you know? Preach, yes, yes. It's awesome. Yep, yes. that's such a good, that's like, that is this era. Yeah, I love that. It's like, because we don't all have to work at, you know, the big mega company, you know, Mm -hmm. not all of us are going to, like, my dream job when I was, um, you know, a teenager, wanted to work for Pixar and be Mm -hmm. an animator. And because I was like, this is the craziest thing. But now I'm like, 
can I build my own office to have like a ball pit in it yeah. and like make my own mini, you know, just like, um, yeah, that environment that does trigger ingenuity. And, yes. you know, I mean, we, I don't know what we do. What do we do now that's cool? We make like stupid videos. That's fine. Like whodunits of like who doesn't flush the toilet in the office. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. We we have fun. In I need more little... of that. See, I need you more. Yeah, I need a ball pit little... in my office. Yes. You that's, know, that's uh. We'll talk about that. Yeah. In another. Yeah. But no, you know, just like, <laughs> yeah, that, that like just disruptive. Like yes. that's, that's like our heartbeat. You know, yes. we're like, we have riot in our name, not by happenstance, but because yeah. we want to shake up the status quo. And we all went through the punk rock phase yeah. as like a preteen. But that energy is like, well, why do we have to do it this way? Why do we do things this way? Why are conferences, you know, a certain experience? Mm-hmm. We, you know, that questioning is the root of ingenuity yes. and experience. And, you know, not just saying yes because other people did it before, right. but because it makes sense. Yep. And, yeah, that that disruptive. I uh, love that word. Yeah. Disrupting the industries. Right. Well, this has been amazing, Hope. Thank Thank you you so much for taking the time to um, share your heart and your energy and, um, yeah, a a little glimpse into the day in the life of, um, you know, what you've built um, in our community. Um, How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So we're on Instagram um, and Facebook, KLH Group, LinkedIn, um, under KLH Group and Hope Caldwell. Okay. And then um, email, hope, hope at klhgroup.co. Okay. And anything else I'm thinking or forgetting? I'm um, sure we're on Twitter somewhere. I'm supposed yeah, to know whatever. this stuff. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then website? klhgroup.co. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, girl. Well, thank you so much. Thank and you. for our listeners and our viewers, thank you so much for tuning in for this um, episode. Please be sure to like, subscribe. If you have any other questions for Hope, um, leave them in the comments, and we'll be more than happy to circle around. Um, and for this episode, I hope that you live a life filled with passion today and that you make a story or two worth telling. Cheers. Wow. That was so fun. Awesome, girl. I didn't know we were going to go all there. Mm -hmm.